0: Listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free with Stitcher Premium, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more. Plus, get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Just $4.99 a month. Go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code The Wildlife for one month free. seven and this is Richard, and you're listening to The Wildlife, a show hosted by two brothers that explores nature's untold stories, wild secrets, and your place in all of it. It's also episode 42 without Ryan Reynolds as a guest to compare and contrast real wolverines with Hugh Jackman's wolverine. Just saying. Wow, Ryan Reynolds. So if you're Reynolds. listening, I, right, I mean we're coming for, well, okay. That sounds like a threat. We are waiting <laughs> for you to accept our invitation so that we can, you know, get this ball rolling. Oh,
1: here's uh, some, uh, bootlicking if I've ever heard of it before. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Selfless
1: is an old movie, but I, I just saw it a couple of weeks ago. Nice, nice, nice job. Ryan Reynolds. I like that.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like, uh, every time I see Ryan Reynolds in a movie, I go, you know what? I like this movie. Um, Just, just to, just to throw that out there. Except I even like Green Lantern. Okay. Well, that's just because you're a DC fanboy
1: that like likes DC way too much. First off, because you were in high school and you saw The Dark Knight, and you're like, Oh my God, I'm gonna love DC forever now.
0: First off, second, third. Four, are you not going to stop me? Okay. Never have uh, I been offended
1: by something I 100% agree with. <laughs>
0: um, uh, at the top, at the top, we would like to uh, uh, go ahead and thank our patrons: Megan Gariani, Andrea Lloyd, Chris Trankel, Matt Capel, and Bridges Fitzgerald. Um, sort of executive producers, in a sense, honorary executive producers, because I mean, technically, it is their monthly membership contributions yeah, no,
1: i wouldn't even say honorary you know, they kind of they, keep honorary they're they're straight up the executive producers of the wildlife. I, I
0: suppose i just yes yes and they do get benefits for 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 doing it so it's not like they're just doing it they get they get all kinds of like merchy benefits and community benefits and like my phone number to ask me questions and and you know, go cool with uh controlling the fate of a podcast Right, right. Like if they so chose <laughs> and decided to stop contributing, we would crumble. Um, yeah, <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> um, also, also thank you to everyone who uh, uh, rates and reviews us wherever you're listening to your podcast. Because, well, uh, we are available pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we've even put up a whole comprehensive list on the website uh that is also completely newly redesigned. So here's the deal. We have been on, what, a two-month hiatus, almost two and a half months hiatus, while we have kind of taken a step back to, to think and to plan and to um, stack up on some interviews and uh, redesign the website and uh, uh, focus on just some kind of housekeeping kind of stuff. Uh, one of those things is we've, well, I can't share too much, but let me just say this. Um, there's a whole bunch of exciting stuff coming for our hiking series, uh, that we do that we do in uh, central Minnesota. So there's going to be, uh, some updates coming for that, but I, I can't as much as I want to, I can't say a whole butt ton yet. Um, but, but just know. It's exciting. Anyway, um, when, we were, when we were talking, we were thinking about, okay, well, when do we want to come back? We were like, well, we've done holiday specials in the past, so why not Valentine's Day?
2: It's no holiday. Right? It's a
0: corporate scam. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to be a Debbie Downer, <laughs> which, you know, I feel like there should be a male equivalent to Debbie Downer, not just like Debbie always being a Downer, a Daniel Downer, a depressing Daniel I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what it would be. Anyway, our first thought was to talk about Diego. Diego the tortoise. I don't know if you're familiar with Diego the tortoise, but he's a bit of a love machine. Uh, according to the New York Times, approximately 40% of the 2,000 tortoises that have been repatriated to Española Island and the Galapagos are estimated to be Diego's descendants. He's widely credited with saving his species. And now, at over 100 years old, when, by the way, he's been doing most of this um, work, he gets to retire. It's it's quite sweet, actually. But, as I said, New York Times, this has been all over the place. And for like two, three months, everybody's reported on this. So we were like, okay, we're kind of late to the game on this. People probably heard of it already, or at least scrolled by or saw a headline on Facebook that said, like, tortoise saves the species because he had so much reproductive time. And so we're like, okay, well, clearly, we can't do that. We've got to do something else. And then we thought, well, what about birds? Like, birds of paradise. And... Western grebes who basically walk on water to impress each other or sandhill cranes that have this, you know, bow hoppy thing that they do. But the problem is, is there's, uh, there's a lot with birds and, and a lot of it has to do more so with the topic that we kind of want to wait on, um, partially because there's a few specific guests that we really want to get onto the show. Um and it has to do with this thing called the beauty hypothesis and sexual selection. And we're like, no, 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 no. We're not ready for that yet. Let's give it some time. Not that we're not going to do it. We're just gonna do it more in the future. So then, in our very long drawn out thought process, we were like, okay. Why not do the opposite? Let's do the opposite. Right, Let's, let's, let's flip the script on what Valentine's Day is about. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, oh, everyone's always talking about flipping the script. Let's just let's celebrate being single. Let's celebrate loving yourself. Let's celebrate self-care and all that stuff. You know what? No. We're flipping the script in a totally different way.
1: We're we have flipping lots of the script ideas. and rotating it.
0: We are flipping the script. Yeah. We are rotating it. We're putting a perspective filter on it and changing it slightly so it looks like it's kind of like. Along a wall and some alleyway. And like this real, It's like a Banksy kind of graffiti. We did a Banksy on Valentine's Day, okay? That is how much this script is flipped. We flipped it so much that it landed back upright. And it looks like Valentine's Day still. What? Originally, the plan for this episode was three guests. Sebastian Echevari, Shakira Quinones, and Dr. Robert T. Mason. Well... As it turns out, it was kind of difficult to cram all of the conversations and the amazing facts and everything into one episode. So at a certain point, we were like, oh, well, we'll just split it into two parts. No, 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 no. Scrap that entirely. This is a three-part series. Yeah, a three-part series. So, that being said, clearly today is the first part Largely, it's going to feature Sebastian Echeverry, a little bit of Shakira. Tuesday will be part two of the series, and next Friday will be the third part. So that's three episodes within a week's time. Pretty cool. You are going to hear so many amazing stories, so many amazing facts, everything from uh spider sex and turkey basters and (laughs) uh the amazing crazy chaotic dangerous ways that spiders have to interact with each other in the world around them spider vr what it's like to see like a spider spiders on tiny treadmills so many absolutely amazing stunning facts and such great conversations all three of these are going to go down in the history of the wildlife as favorites. That's a promise. Cue ex- explosions and bold, bold impact font flying into the screen. Like those kind of... <laughs> okay, okay. So, by flipping the script, here's what we mean. Normally, Valentine's Day is about showing love, right? It's about love. Call it a holiday, call it a corporate scheme, whatever you want to call it. It's about showing love. We are showing love, but we are showing love to the unloved. We are taking the animals that people normally hate, in fact, love to hate, And instead of hating them, we're showing them a bit of love by looking at how they look. Make sense?
1: The many incredibly strange and unique and interesting ways
0: that they, uh, yeah, uh, love. Here's the deal. If you look across the animal kingdom, and... And, and in plants, too. And, and and in fungi, too. But anyway, the animal kingdom, you've got an endless menagerie of really incredibly wacky reproduct- reproduction stories. And as we began our survey of this topic, uh, we came upon a lot of different subtopics, like sexual conflict and, and, and sexual parasitism parasitism and uh extreme cases of dimorphism and what we soon realized is that um you know the expression the tip of the iceberg okay so if you if you took like an electron microscope and you zoomed in on the topmost water molecule crystallized on top of that iceberg and you zoomed all the way in to, to the very electrons of that molecule, that's, that's the tip that is like, that is the tip that we are able to survey in this episode. There's so much going on here that was completely unexpected. Um, and, and this is just going to be something that we're going to have to return to, uh, incredibly frequently as we go on into the future. So again, this is a three-part series. This is part one, spider speed dating. But we're not just going to start with spiders. We're not going to just jump straight into the date. We've got to set it up a little bit more. The one we want to start with is, for example, the anglerfish. Now, if you've seen Finding Nemo, you know what an anglerfish looks like. Uh, If you are not a big fan of Pixar, but you are a fan of DreamWorks and you have seen... Oh, shoot, what's it called? The one with Will Ferrell and the guy, he's got the big blue head, and it has got Metro Uh, Man, Megamind, right? Um, Megamind's sidekick, it looks like Megamind's sidekick, except they've got like this big thingy coming off their head with a little bioluminescent light to to lure in prey. Um, I don't really know how else to describe them, except for maybe like a fish that was hit with the ugly stick too many times and has (laughs) a massive underbite. Then um, maybe the ugly stick is in fact the stick sticking off of its face. Some of them Not are a lot bigger sure. than you'd think, too. They are like tremendously bigger. Here's the deal about anglerfish. All anglerfish belong to a group called Lophiformes. It's an it's an order. The most unusual anglerfish belong to a suborder that is called the Seratoidi. Cerat, ceratoid, Seratoidi. Now, that suborder has 160 recognized species, and all of them have this crazy thing about them. First off, these are deep sea fish, so that's that if you don't already know that, the anglerfish have got that bioluminescent little fishing lure to try and uh, trick other little smaller fish to come in and enter their mouth, sort of like on the Spongebob movie, that old lady in the in the cookie stand, you know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh yeah, do you remember that? Isn't it where, um, like, some of them don't have that, or it's like a one gender that doesn't have that, something like that?
0: Yeah, yeah, not all of them have it, but the, but they're but they're deep sea fish. They can be found throughout the world's oceans, and they're somewhere around three hundred meters down, which is really really far. That's almost a thousand feet. Now, in some species. The female can so, be okay. 60 so, times so longer and up swordfish. to so, half I mean, a million times heavier than the, the male. The females are tremendously larger. The males are tremendously smaller. Thick. But when they're younger, they, they start out about the same. They start kind of developing in, in largely the same way uh, as they're developing into, into adults. Um, but here's what happens. The males, they lose their normal teeth, and then they they have these other things come in. They're, like, they're almost like pincers. They're called denticles. They're these toothy projections that kind of are right at the front tips of the jaw. And as it turns out, it's like their main thing needed for mating. Because see, there's a reason for this extreme variation in size between the females and the males. Males spend their entire lives looking for females. And if they don't find a female within the first couple of months... Of being adults they will literally die they've got this really incredible uh sensory to try to pick up on on female pheromones which is something that we're going to talk a lot about in part two is pheromones um and like what are pheromones and how pheromones work and can you like mess with pheromones all that stuff anyway and when they find a female they they use those little toothy things on the on the front almost like i guess i guess you could think like uh Almost like a beetle, you know, when you think about those big pincer things in the front, um, and then and then they will latch on to the female's belly upside down, and then when they do this, their body tissues literally start to fuse with the female until it's almost like, do you do you remember the on uh, uh, Fairly Odd Parents, the kid with the boil that kind of like wanted him to dominate the world? so gross. Do you remember that? Or am I crazy? No, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thank God. Okay, so that's basically what happens. He, he like fuses into her body. So much so that their circulatory systems even connect. Like, literally they begin sharing blood and the males get all of their blood transported nutrients from the female, which has now become sort of like a host and the male a parasite and not only that but then the female turns into like this basically she's like this self fertilizing hermaphroditic creature like she just uses the male that's like fused into her to like fertilize her own eggs and then have little ugly babies it's super super weird like super
1: super weird I've definitely not heard of anything just in the same universe <laughs> uh, of that with reproductive habits of animals. I I would never imagine that there was anything out there that did anything like that. It sounds it's, like just something like a like a micro
0: microorganism would do, not not a not a big fish. I know, right? But I mean, clearly it works. And like I said, so we are. I mean. The absolute tip of the iceberg. And it's not even just the reproductive strategies that are weird, it's the reproductive morphology, as we started to figure out. Like, take, for example, the echidna. Uh, have you found an
2: echidna <laughs> person yet? Because I have not split, in, split into four.
0: Now, the voice that you're hearing right now. That's our first guest of the episode.
2: Uh, So my name is Sebastian Echeverry. I'm a spider scientist. I'm based at the University of Pittsburgh where I'm doing my PhD. And I love talking about spiders with anyone and everyone that will listen.
0: And this was not something I had any idea about until we sat down to talk with him. And he brought up that echidnas have a four-tipped, a four-headed, a a four-headed, I suppose, a four-headed penis. It's like a hydra, literally a a four pronged penis, which is just super bizarre. Apparently, uh, all four are functioning. Okay. And, And okay, well, let's just back up. Penises in general in animals are super bizarre. I mean, there's bards penises, there's half penises, there's dual penises, there's multi-tipped penises, there's literally like disposable penises, there's sometime penises, there's all kinds of crazy penises. We could do a whole episode all about animal penises, and again, we would not even scratch the surface. The echidna, which is uh, uh, one type of monotreme, like, like, uh, like the platypus, it has a, a penis that's a single shaft. And then four heads, each one capable of ejaculation. However, only two of the heads work at any given time, which makes sense because females have, you know, only just two vaginas. So uh, they have to have at least two functioning tips to uh, be able to work with each functioning vagina. So uh during the actual reproduction only one side of it is active the other side is inactive um and 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 two of the other parts retract anyway there's this whole little bit of intricacy that goes on and there's other things that we could talk about the one that i really want to mention right now we're going to talk about next week so i'm going to hold my tongue on it but uh again again this is just a topic that like was such a can of worms and I'm regretting most of my word choice right now um, that that we're just going to have to come back to it. Okay, but anyway, back to that whole sexual dimorphism piece. Anglerfish are not the only place that you see such tremendous levels of sexual dimorphism. And by sexual dimorphism, what I mean is um, variation in in size or appearance between uh, the male and the female. Another place that you see this is in spiders. Yeah, in some cases, just absolutely extreme. And and it's not just that that's extreme. It's it's the strategies that they use and the consequences of those strategies and and the aftermath and these crazy. <sighs> Here, here's why we reached out to begin with. This is why we wanted to focus on spiders. Uh, a couple of years back, and, I, and I'm still kind of blanking on specifically where it was, but I was driving home one day. I was listening to the radio, and there was this spider expert talking, and she was telling this story about grass spiders. Now, if you've ever gone outside and you see that dewy patch of web on the ground, like early in the morning, in the summer, Um, Those are grass spiders. Big shocker there, right? I mean, in the grass. Apparently, what happens is the males will approach that sheet of web, which on the other side is a a small burrow into the ground. And when he approaches the sheet of web, he drums a little beat, kind of like he's like knocking on the door. And it's like a little Morse code message. And he's like, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know I'm not Grubhub um please don't eat me um i really just like i kind of like you uh i you know i was hoping we could get together i really don't want you to eat me uh but you know come on out here so he's like he's like playing a song right and then she comes out because Stick in the stereo by the his music. Head. yeah he is exactly <laughs> what song was that in your eyes the light, the heat, your eyes. So he's like holding the boom box over his head. And she comes out like, oh, that's so sweet. It's kind of the equivalent of like throwing pebbles at somebody's window. Anyway, she comes out and likes the music and starts to approach. And then right when she gets close enough, he blasts her with a chemical that knocks her unconscious. And then he does what he needs to do and then runs away before she can wake up. Because if she were to wake up, she would then eat him. And so For you can't some believe. reason, why? Well, right. I mean, for a variety of reasons, <laughs> but if, like for some reason, it's stuck in my head. I was just like, that's just so bizarre. Number one, that that she would eat him. Number two, and like we we hear that all the time with like praying mantises and stuff. But like number two, the fact that they've gotten to the point where he like has like a chemical defense that he uses proactively. Yeah, like, how do you even
1: adapt that? Like that's. <laughs>
0: Such right? a weird it's
1: just a tool to somehow just like be part of your body.
0: It's really weird. It's like too specific. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it stuck with me like really, really, really hard for some reason. It's It's just something like every time I see a spider, I think of a spider. I see that little sheet of web outside. I'm like, oh my God, there's that whole thing about how the like, oh my God, I wonder if it's happening right now and I just don't know about it. And and so, okay. I had to talk to somebody about it. So that's why I reached out to our guest to understand like
2: why I'm I'm really excited because there's a lot of variation in courtship Um, and they all come from the same. I'll start with like the problem. Sure. You're a male spider. Um, One of the things about being a spider is that you eat most things that are your size, maybe a little bigger and definitely things that are smaller. This includes other spiders. Um. Male spiders tend to be a lot larger than male spiders. It's pretty common in most groups of spiders. Um, I would say the vast majority. And so spiders are very, very good at hunting, um, mm-hmm. and that includes hunting other spiders that happen to be along. So as a male spider, you're trying to find a female, you're smaller than her. She needs food to make all these eggs, and she's very hungry most of the time. Um, and spiders are good predators. and so you need to find ways. To find this female, tell her that you are not dinner. Um, convince her that you are not dinner because she will maybe try to eat you anyway, and then mate and hopefully maybe escape with your life. And so, <laughs> spiders have evolved all these different strategies um, to do that. And they some of them have given up on certain goals there in favor of other goals. Courtship in uh, a lot of spiders starts with vibration. Mm-hmm. So, like you saw with your grass spider. Um, males will get onto the web and start playing on it kind of like an instrument and that is both a way to get the to say hey i'm over here don't don't be surprised that something comes out from this direction but then he'll say a message i'm a male spider of the same species so you shouldn't <laughs> eat me uh because you know i could fertilize your eggs and then you can have babies and it'll all work out for everyone <laughs> um and that's kind of the most basic type of portrait of just saying, Hey, I'm here. Don't eat me. I'm going to show up. We can mate and then we can go our separate ways. Um, but for a lot of females, um, there's a lot of males. And so mm-hmm. why not eat one or two? And then every now and then just, you know, may so they, they have this evolutionary incentive to be pretty aggressive. And, um, also, uh, when the male's done mating, well, yeah. he's no longer useful to you. So she has an incentive to bite him back.
0: So, the piece that you have to understand here is um, spiders, being that they are what they are and they do what they do and they they are how they be, are highly attuned to vibrations on a spider web. When something touches part of the web and it vibrates the strings, a lot like a guitar or, or a piano, it then knows to go to that area. So, they're really highly adept at feeling that. And even if they're not a a web producing or or web dwelling spider, they're still really adept to picking up on those vibrations by something moving in the leaf litter or on uh, on a leaf on a plant or on a twig or on a tree or wherever it might be. The thing about spiders is as much as there is variation in the appearance, the hunting technique, the habitat, the species in general. Of spiders, there's tremendous variation in their reproductive strategies and their courtship behaviors. And so what we are going to do in this episode is we're going to break it up in parts.
2: Where do I want to start? Okay, let's start with tarantulas. Okay, that's, that's, that's kind of part one. Okay. We'll go to jumping spiders. Uh, part two. And then our third part. And then we'll end with orb weavers. But, 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 but,
0: before we can expect you... Yes, you, the listener, wherever you are, in your car, in your bathtub, on a date right now for Valentine's Day, alone eating popcorn, watching Riverdale, while also listening to a podcast because you're just that lonely, wherever you are, we can't just expect you to fall in love with spiders. We we need to woo you a little bit, and to do that, we thought we would talk to the guy who knows spiders, about why spiders. Now, have, have you have you always loved spiders, or is that kind of a, a found interest?
2: That's a great question. Yeah, I didn't really, like, I wasn't Spider-Man into spiders um, sure. wh- until recently, um, until I started my PhD, actually. So, like, growing up, I wasn't particularly afraid of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I had kind of a neutral, you know, ambivalent relationship. They're there, it's okay, it's fine. Um, I didn't really appreciate them very much. And then when I was um, starting science, I was applying to graduate schools and I really didn't even think about working on spiders particularly. Um, but in one of my graduate school interviews, uh, basically the professor that I was meeting with was like, oh, by the way, here's like a thing that I've been working on, like a new project. It's you know I haven't talked about it much. And he just takes out his laptop and starts playing videos of jumping spiders dancing. And I had seen a jumping spider before, but I had seen it as a tiny little speck that just kind of hopped around. And I'm like, it's an animal that hopped around. Okay, cool. When I was able to see this animal close up and like in these beautiful, resplendent colors and like moving like a whole stage performance, Mm -hmm. it completely blew my mind. And I stood up in the middle of the meeting and was like, oh my God, what is this? I need to know more.
0: Well, I mean, it is, it also, uh, that's just a testament of how successful they are at doing exactly what it is that they're trying to do. Right. But, um, wooing other species. Yeah. I think I might try this with my students though, where I just turn on a video of jumping spiders dancing and, and see how long it takes for them to say anything or question what it is that I'm doing. Then again, that sounds pretty typical of me. So, and I, I do have to say, these dances they are incredibly eye-catching, which is sort of on purpose. It's also like kind of, I guess you could say, accidentally on purpose because it's not like they're deciding to adapt and evolve these traits. So, it's a bit complicated.
2: We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, like that is literally it was a video of a jumping spider dancing, and from there. I learned to love jumping spiders and from jumping spiders I learned to love all spiders.
0: I you know, I love jumping spiders. They're they're I I, okay, so I think maybe Lucas the spider, that that thing has probably uh helped to kind of um make people a bit more comfortable. I think they're cute. They remind me like little cats.
2: Yeah. Just kind of pounce
0: around. They're yeah.
2: They have a lot of the traits that we see as cute. They've got the big Mm -hmm. puppy dog eyes. A lot of them are kind of hairy or fuzzy or fluffy. There's, there's yeah. one species that's like absurdly fluffy. It looks like a little sheep. If you Google <laughs> jumping spider fluffy, you'll get it on like the second or third Google hit. It is incredibly adorable. And a lot of jumping spiders fall into that. And they're also yeah. more colorful. We did look it up. And it is
0: incredibly adorable. He's not lying. It's called the woolly jumping spider. It's so cute. It looks like a little like slightly dirty cotton ball. But with eight eyes and and legs
1: yeah it, it it is cute i i went ahead and he uh said that uh during the interview and i just immediately looked it up and uh we we had to we took a couple of guesses but we figured it out and there's some there's some good
0: pictures on that if you just look up a woolly jumping spider We'll we'll probably put them up on our uh, social media throughout the week you know, as we're kind of between this and this this part and the second part, but I don't really know how to describe them. I mean, they, they kind of look like if you had like a like a toasted marshmallow jelly bean, but then you made it fluffy. Let's just
1: let's just put a picture up. Let's just okay, we'll just put a picture up. That and a diagram of a spider. Oh yeah. Or the parts that we're gonna get into.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely that. Like, that's something that I would almost suggest that while you're listening, just look at a diagram because there's so many parts. Like, I thought there was, like, the eyes and then, like, the parts, like, the two parts, and then, like, all the legs and, the and like, the fangs, and then, you know, something to make a web. But, like, holy smokes, there's a bunch of parts. And, like, these little turkey basters, but more on that in a little bit. Especially the turkey basters. Oh, and we had to ask if it's true that you are never more than four feet from a spider. Because if that's true, then like, no joke, you are probably like four feet from a spider, even if it's winter. And again, like if you're just sitting there alone in the dark under your weighted blanket, drinking some chamomile tea with a little bit of honey, maybe a little sprig of mint, or maybe you're fancy and you've got like a, like a rhubus with basil, or, or you've just got like a London fog and a cashmere sweater. I don't know. But anyway, you're just like chilling by yourself. And little do you know that, like literally watching you right now, there's a spider four feet away. And it just, you know, it just wants you to know you're not alone. It's Valentine's Day and it's there for you. Okay? It's there for you.
2: Yeah. So that is one of the like common sayings about spiders that's actually mm-hmm. like, Pretty close to the truth. Okay. It's going kind to of vary depending on where you are in the world. And like I think I've heard the number quoted between five and 10 feet. But okay. there are so many different species of spiders in the world yeah. um, that wherever you are, there are spiders that live there. Mm-hmm. And there are many species that have adapted to human affected environments, including the inside of our houses. Sure. Um, and so they are where the food is and where there's habitat. And often inside of human houses, there's bugs to eat and places to live. And Plenty so, yeah, stuff. they move right okay. on in.
0: If you're scared right now, I promise there's really nothing to be afraid of because that's our next stop. Fear. <laughs> Now, this was a golden opportunity for me to make fun of Richard because, oh my God, is he afraid of spiders. And he tried to play it off in our conversation. But let me tell you this story, okay? (laughs) Around Christmas, uh, I, I may have gotten a very small wolf spider in a cup and I brought it inside and I held it up to him and I have not heard him scream at a higher pitch and use more profanity in one occasion and also move with so much energy. Like I have not seen that in years and it it had me laughing for, I'm I'm still laughing about it right now.
1: You can, you can respect an animal and know it's worth and know that it's harmless and still not want it to touch you (laughs) very, very
0: passionately. Okay. But what do you have to say about like the spiders that can't even possibly chase you? And yet you run. I'm sorry. What? Like the spiders that can't even chase you that are like up on a web. And like if they were to come down from the web, they'd like fall over. Like a like a person who hasn't walked in a really long time. I don't want it to touch me. What's it gonna do? Chase you down at 50 miles per just, hour
1: and just they, like They look they look gross. And they they hey. don't like I don't like how bugs just don't respect personal space. Wow and get on you and like they can't just oh, sorry, and fly away. Like, you're, you have something land on you, and then it just keeps crawling on you, and then it gets all, like, under your clothes and stuff, and it's just, ew.
0: Richard, do you like Spider-Man? I mean, yeah. What does Spider-Man do? Uh, I don't even know. He web-slings, play- Richard. He web-slings, okay? And when he's web-slinging, what do you think? He, he's web-slinging all around town okay he's firing off that web stuff depends on which which spider-man you're talking about you know toby Maguire is like straight out of his wrist which is just disturbing but anyway he's he's web slinging richard okay he's web slinging all around town he's like shooting web at a window and do you think he cleans up his mess no he's leaving webby bits all over the place do you think he asks the building if he can climb on it no when a spider you're a skyscraper okay And these bugs, they're just, you know, they're just having the time of their lives and you're going to, you're going to diss on them. How dare you? Um, speechless, huh? You don't even know what to say.
1: Of course I don't. Cause, uh, cause that was a valid. point.
0: It was a valid point. (laughs) Um, what do you have to say for yourself? You skyscraper of a man. Uh, step one personal space okay I suppose it's you know what they step just want to be
1: your friend personal space <sighs> okay look I've I've had, ba- I've
0: had some bad experiences hey, okay you have not had any you have not had any bad experiences okay, okay? you know whatever. what it is you know what it is let's go back to Sebastian because I bet he knows what it is
1: I had an infestation in my car man I'm driving down the road.
0: And one just comes down Infestation. right
1: in front of my face. Just dangling in front Inf- of my face. I'm driving.
0: Infestation. It was trying to make sure that you stayed awake and you were driving safely. Okay? They had their whole family in the car. And you didn't even ask if they needed to buckle up. You just drove away. <laughs> uh... you do... Nothing is safe. Here. Let Sebastian talk, okay? Sebastian knows. He knows what to say but i
2: think i wanted to to take a moment to acknowledge like your experience like you grew up and spiders were kind of scary and startling Mm -hmm. until you were able to have positive experiences with them that you kind of had some control over right you Mm -hmm. saw a spider out in nature it was on a web you could approach it or stay away however much Mm -hmm. you wanted um and you were able to take it at your own pace and i think that's really important for people that might be afraid of spiders. A lot of the time, you know, the first time we see one of the, the times that we remember seeing when it's like in our basement, it's dark, something like skitters yeah. across the floor and it's just a wolf spider looking for bugs to eat. But right. that is a very startling situation. And like mm-hmm. you get startled and scared and that's what you remember and associate with the spider. And I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people that might be something that is true for them. Um, but it's it doesn't have to be that way. You can have positive experiences with spiders and learn about them at your own pace and in a way Mm -hmm. that you're
0: comfortable with what do you you think it is i mean is that what you think uh is is the reason being for this kind of cultural um you know just this like societal Mm -hmm. fear like that you know it's just expected that you're going to be afraid of spiders is it this learned thing or or um the fact that often interactions are kind of those jump scare type moments Mm -hmm. um what what do you think that might be
2: i think that Yeah, I think, uh, what Richard's saying is that it, yeah, it's a little bit of both. There is a really, uh, strong cultural effect. So Mm -hmm. often little kids will be perfectly fine with spiders. Um, but when they're with their parents and they see their parents reacting in fear or disgust, kids pick up on that and they're like, that is what I should do in this situation. And they learn that fear. And there's actually like a switchover age before Mm -hmm. which kids are pretty normal, they're like okay, or even interested in in bugs, uh, insects and spiders. Um, And then there's a point where they learn that it is not okay to do that in this culture, in this society. Um, And I think there's a lot of media that we put out that plays on that and reinforces that really strongly. So, you know, movies like Arachnophobia and just any time where spiders on screen, just casual references to killing spiders and like it's played as a joke. But then that becomes the only connection that people have with these animals.
0: Bottom line, what I'm saying is you can probably blame mom for your fear of spiders. Because as Sebastian said, it's largely a learned thing. You're not going to die, all right? Here's how you break the cycle. When you were around little kids or when you're a parent yourself... Or who knows, who knows. But when you're around people, don't act afraid of spiders. Think of them as like little Spider-Man. You know, you got a little Tobey Maguire right there. He's chilling, having the time of his life. He's trying to save the day. He's trying to protect you from all those other bugs that are going to be annoying. He's trying to eat the gnats. He's trying to get the flies. You know, He's, he's saving the city. Don't be a J. Jonah Jameson. Talking about how the spider is a menace and whatnot. What are you even talking about, J. Jonah Jameson? Get out of here. No one likes a J. Jonah Jameson.
1: I, I feel like that reference is gonna fall flat with people.
0: You think it'll? You know what?
1: Not not everyone's under about A nerd, Devin.
0: Everyone, he's a menace. Like you. Don't, okay, come on. Like this, the Sam Raimi movies. Who's Sam Raimi? The director. I'm sorry I'm not the Andrew Garfield generation. Good lord. I
1: feel like the dangers might be like a little overestimated too cuz when you talk about a some being venomous it's like uh one of the things that uh I i uh, saw looking into this is um I th- I think they said it was over like 900 uh some huge number of a species of spiders in texas and and i think said only two are Mm -hmm. like seriously venomous
2: that is uh yeah that's absolutely right so in the united states there are only two species of spiders that if they were to bite you you'd have to go to the doctor those are the Mm -hmm. black widow and the brown recluse um both of those spiders have bites that are usually, like, even if you weren't to go to the doctor, are often not fatal unless you are uh, happen to be allergic or already have uh, uh, immunocompromised conditions for other reasons. Um, But if you go to the doctor, you can basically get treated and be fine. And then categorically, literally every other spider that lives here, even though they have venom, that venom has evolved to eat the things that they eat. It's designed Mm -hmm. to kill bugs and maybe tiny little mammals at the most. Um, sure. And so it just doesn't work on our bodies and you'll get like a little bump that'll go away after a bit. But yeah, I believe so, the statistic is like 99.9 it's either nine, nine or nine, 5% of all spiders uh in the U S um, are completely safe. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, we have uh, a lot of, spiders. That's a clear that's majority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um, too like, I don't know how many described species we have here. I would say easily like a thousand.
0: Uh, Yes. So in terms of number of species, we checked. uh, It's a lot more than more than a thousand. It's like 3000 and 3000 in in North America of a total of something like 35,000 species, which is like a lot of species. Like if you think mammals, there's like 5000 species. And this is just spiders. That's a crazy amount. Not very many of them are venomous. Right. I think uh, Sebastian said in North America, there's really only two that you, I mean, technically a lot of them are venomous, but there's really only two that if they were to bite you, you would really actually need to seek medical attention. And that's, you can probably guess the brown recluse, which is a lot less sighted than people think seem to think there's actually a great hashtag on social media recluse or not that i would check out or use if you think that you see a brown recluse uh uh guess what just because it has a violin shape does not mean that it's necessarily a brown recluse and the black widow
2: which by the way is not as inclined to bite you as black widows and most spiders really don't want to bite they they kind of know that it doesn't work on something your size
3: Mm -hmm. i mean imagine
2: if a skyscraper like woke up (laughs) walking around and you have a sword which is really good against oh man i'm just gonna stab the building yeah you know (laughs) you know that the best response is to just try to leave and so often you have to hold the animal in place and try like basically threaten it with death before it will try to bite
0: also venom is energetically expensive much much like anti-venom venom venom isn't cheap anti-venom is incredibly expensive so if you if it's a snake or a spider whatever and you need anti-venom holy smokes is it expensive you don't want to just use it because you have it it's like making it rain for no reason you're just throwing dollar bills at a a skyscraper you think that's going to do anything no good god so with you with yourself what Mm -hmm. is
2: what are your main uh species of focus or what is your main interest in spiders um, okay, so I, I will say I, I like very many spiders that I am sure. casually interested in, but the mm-hmm. ones that I study are really cool. They are the paradise jumping spiders.
0: There are about 106 species of spiders within the genus Habernatus. Habronatus. Habronatus? I, I really want to say like Habron, Habron like, like rolling my R, but I'm assuming that's not how it's said. Anyway, they are called paradise spiders, and for a very good reason, kind of like the birds of paradise we mentioned earlier. Lots of coming full circle in this episode and connections to future episodes. I'm kind of digging that. Foreshadowing.
2: Foreshadow. Circular plot. Illusion. All the males have these like elegant colors and Mm -hmm. these beautiful courtship displays and all these ornaments and they put on dance performances for the female. (laughs) And these are... And I say dance performances they're musical stage shows. So they are choreographed dance moves to music that the spider is playing himself by vibrating the ground. Um, and the female listens through the vibrations that come up through her legs and this synchronized. So each dance move has like a certain sound that goes with it. They're utterly fascinating. There are um, there's more and more species being found every day. Mm-hmm. And. I could go on about them, but what I'm really interested in and what I study for my PhD is how these animals get each other's attention. Because mm-hmm. if imagine I want to show you a video or a picture. I could have the best video ever, but if you look like slightly over there, yeah, it, you can no longer see it. And all the effort I put into making this video or making this wonderful dance show is gone. Right. And jumping spiders at it might seem like that's not an issue because they actually have eyes on the sides and the back of their heads. Mm-hmm. So they can see all the way around them. But most of those eyes actually only see in black and white. Okay. thought about trying to design like a jumping spider like VR headset. And I have ideas if someone wants to give me lots of money to do that. Oh uh, but gosh, it would be would very be, yeah. strange to like compress that field of view into a human. <laughs> you could do it. You, I have ideas. You could do it. But it is really strange. I I It's hard to understand what their like sensory world is, but it is like a full dome almost. Hmm. Uh, But the thing is, if if the female kind of looks sixty degrees away from the male, it's about how far those big eyes can see. He's in black and white, and he's blurrier. And okay, though all the information in his color is Mm -hmm. gone, and now he's like, I'm trying to tell you something really important. You should mate with me. Also, please don't eat me. You should mate with. (laughs) Please don't eat me. And he's at a loss because he hasn't been able to get her attention.
0: And as in all relationships, in all dating, in all trying to capture the attention of a peer or potential mate, communication is key. Absolutely key. Anyway, my point is, is if they don't, if the male isn't successful and getting her attention, or, 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 and getting her to like him,
2: he's probably going to be dead within minutes. So we think that for these spiders, and actually for basically all animals that communicate with vision and color and patterns and stuff like that, step one is get attention and maintain attention. And I'm interested in how that's shaped the evolution of the male's dances itself. Like what they do and when they do it. Something that I had to ask, it
0: was a question that, was kind of just stuck in the back of my head and it's sort of a chicken or the egg kind of question even though that question isn't really a question because clearly eggs evolved before chickens but anyway it's what came first was it the intense coloration or
2: the need the the attention seeking Um, so we can actually look at other jumping spiders that are related, but less colorful Mm -hmm. and see that the attention getting is still important because, um, they still do dances. They're just less complicated and the males are usually less colorful. Okay. Um, and the, the reason that we think that that is still there is because, like I said, it's not just color that changes, but the resolution of the eyes. Okay. So the okay. primary eye see in really really sharp vision. Um, they actually see the are one or no jumping spiders have the best resolution of any invertebrate eye on land. Oh um, wow! And they are the jumping spiders that have the best vision are some of the smallest. They're like not so, well, there are actually even tinier ones, but they're like about a centimeter in full body size mm-hmm. and. Uh, an animal that small can see better than many vertebrates that are like 10 or 100 times bigger and can actually see an image about as crisp or as sharp as a cat.
3: Oh, like a wow. house cat
2: whose eyeball is like five to 10 times the size of the spider, let alone the spider's eyeball, which is even smaller. And so they pack a lot of vision in there, but they they sacrifice it in the other eyes to get that wide field of view. And they Mm -hmm. concentrate the like resolution, high resolution vision in the two main eyes. Um, And so even in species that don't have color, like they have patterns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so the female looking away is the same as us looking away. You know, if you're looking at something in your periphery, you can't really see it. And it's the same problem for these spiders.
0: So now that we have started to get to know each other, you started to get to know spiders. We are just about ready to get into all these reproductive strategies that are going to absolutely blow you away and reshape the way that you look at spiders forever and think about them and, and, and engage with them. But anyway, first, I think it's time for a break. <laughs> The
1: Wildlife has joined forces with Hike Hoppers, a Central Minnesotan nonprofit whose vision we share to connect people to nature through hiking events and educational learning experiences. On the second Saturday of each month, join Devin at a Stearns County Minnesotan park for a hike, each one with a different theme, like the social network of trees, beavers, dragonflies, and more. Learn more at the wildlife.blog or on hikehoppers.org.
3: Hey, this is Chelsea, teacher who hikes. My hiking tip this week is about when you go hiking. Now it doesn't matter what season it is, I'll tell you this. And Devin's will said it before, and I'll say it again. Um hike early in the morning or hike in the evening. Because that's when wildlife's out. Um by morning and evening, I don't mean necessarily time, I mean when the sun's coming up and when the sun's going down. That is when the animals are gonna be most active and that's when you're probably gonna see them. You probably have noticed that already, that when the sun comes up in the morning you hear birds out your window in the summer. Um that's exactly how it is. And so like when I've seen animals, even in like this cold winter, it's at that kind of breaking point. So, um, yeah, go try to find some wildlife and also like be quiet. Can I just go on a tangent quick here? If you have music blasting in the woods, You know that you're just scaring away a wildlife. So please don't do that. I don't care if it's, ooh, I'm camping. You know what? I'm going to do a whole other tip about that some other time. Because you should know. All right. Thank you. This has been Chelsea. Bye.
0: Okay. We're back. As promised before, and just to recap, we said that we're going to take this in in, in three stages. Kind of following a path of increased complexity. In, in the modes of courtship and the actual reproductive strategies that are being used. And we're going to do that starting with tarantulas. Now, we have about 30 species of tarantula here in the U.S. There's about 800 in the world. And just like in all spiders and, and all species, the the variation that you see in those is astonishing. You've got some that are these beautiful sapphire colors you've you've got some that eat birds you've got some that
2: hang out with little well, I don't want to get to that quite yet if you love you've seen you can watch videos of of tarantula's um, mating. the male mm-hmm. does this drumming so he he walks up and the the tarantulas don't have webs, but they have burrows and they're sensitive to vibrations. The male will drum on the ground and drum and drum and drum, and, drum, and often the female will come out to investigate
0: now again. This is sort of the spider version
2: of throwing pebbles at somebody's window. And so when that happens, she will often walk up to him or sometimes even lunge at him. And the males have these hooks on the bottom of their first, their like front pair of legs. Mm -hmm. Um, And they will actually, that they only get when they're sexually mature. And they use these to hook, literally grab the female's fangs and hook under them and hold them away from, so that she cannot bite (laughs) down. And they, he uses those and the, the, that he's hooking on her, her fangs to lift her up and then he holds her in place quickly mates.
0: This sort of reminds me of just, just like the, the mood, the mood of this is a little twisted, but like sort of like on a, like the walking dead or some kind of zombie movie where, um, you know somebody gets knocked over and the zombie's kind of like on top of them trying to bite them in the face and they're just trying to like push the face away or hold the arms away. You know what I mean? Except there's a bit of a a weird twist there that you don't usually see in those zombie flicks. Or like some kind of death version of Dirty Dancing where where Baby, where uh, Jennifer Grey's like charging full sprint across the stage, knives out, like ready to just lunge at Patrick Swayze and when she jumps into the air he kind of like catches her.
1: These are... These, these metaphors are just, these comparisons
0: are just so, so weird.
1: They're, yes. I can't believe that for some reason
0: they're accurate. They're accurate. They work. Now, there's an issue here in, that we, that we haven't quite discussed. And that is, um, the personification, the level of personification that we are engaging in, in this episode. Normally, I frown upon it. And what I want to say, to be clear, is that I'm not personifying for the sake of making them seem human or to try to attach human attributes to spiders. I am personifying for the sake of helping to understand what exactly is going on, especially with all of these different pieces of a body that we're not quite familiar with. It just sort of helps to visualize and imagine. But that's really it. Oh wait 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 hold up. We haven't we
2: haven't talked quite about how spiders mate. Um, spiders don't have penises or um any similar organ. Instead, they have what are called
0: they're called pedipalps. 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 Like literally, they're like they're like almost like an extra set of hands, like a like a fifth set up near the face, up
2: near the fangs, which mm-hmm. all spiders have, both male and female. But in the males, they have this almost like um, and they're like these little turkey baster hands
0: so imagine like a dude gotta call him that yes just like imagine like a dude right and he's got like out of his armpits this extra set of general grievous okay you've got general grievous and he pulls out you know his arms with all these lightsabers but then he's got like this other set of arms that come out of his armpits and they're a little bit smaller and instead of lightsabers it's turkey basters why can't you just say droppers Because they're turkey basters, Richard. They're more like turkey. What male spiders frequently tend to do?
2: They will basically um, ejaculate their sperm onto a sheet of web and then suck it up into their little turkey baster hands. Um, And they carry those around. And then when they mate, they literally insert that and squeeze it out into the female's um, reproductive canal
0: so back into the case of the tarantula. So he's holding her there and then he's got just enough time to like, kind of insert his Turkey basters into her sexual organ, and, and then, you know, baste the Turkey, which is, I'm instantly regretting referring to it as basting a Turkey. All in all, the whole thing is, it's like, it's so tense. Like, can you, uh, God, it's like, it can, it can just be really dramatic and almost like traumatic if spiders could experience trauma, which I don't know, like maybe they can. Okay, so that's tarantulas. Now, the second part. Moving on in terms of complexity. And it's back to the type of spiders that Sebastian is most focused on.
2: Jumping spiders. Now with jumping spiders, this is where the song and dance number comes in.
0: There are so many videos, and when you, really, when you watch them, or if you've ever really just sat and watched one in real life, it really does sort of feel like you're watching a cat playing with a laser pointer. And the adorable thing is, is that's sort of like what they do. You see, the females... They are off on their own. And, and sometimes what they'll do, like, they release, like, a strand of web that releases pheromone scent. And the males, what they're doing is they're just, like, they're literally just booking it all day. Just running around looking for a lady. And when they finally find one, it's like they've got one shot, one opportunity, spaghetti, right? They need to get her attention because they need to reproduce so that they can pass on their genes. It's not like they're doing this knowingly, but you know what I mean. They need to pass on their genes. They need
2: to have them spider babies, right? And so... Males spend... Uh, Someone's measured it. It's about 90% of their time, once they're sexually mature, literally just running around all day looking for females. Like, not even <laughs> bothering. eat, just like constantly trying to find a female. Once he does... The first step. The dance. He starts by opening his arms really wide, and that shows off his bright red face underneath his eyes. It's like a big, mm. and a very rectangular mustache. Um, and then his <laughs> underarms have these green, they're like bright green with like beige kind of hairs that come out. It gives it kind of like a pointillist pattern because the hairs kind of stick out. So when you look at it head on, it's like little these little dots of beige or bright white. Um, and he opens his arms really wide like that, and then he starts waving up and down his arm and starts sidling back and forth, um, ah. approaching the female side to side, trying to move as much as possible and like <laughs> waving her arms up and down, trying to get her attention.
0: Because remember, everything is about getting her attention and keeping her attention. And so it's sort of like this dangerous game of like, I don't know. I, it kind of reminds me of, again, I'm going to regret this, but like night at the Roxbury, like Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan, when they were like, kind of like dance, across the room or you know even like Austin Powers when he first sees the American spy Felicity Shagwell and he's like looking at her across the room and she's kind of like dancing and he's kind of like doing that weird like dance thing up to her again I'm regretting all of this and these are all a lot of 90s references but that's basically what's going on here they've got to do this whole dance to even get near her and still might get rejected and eaten
1: we gotta wave their arms around in there. And go, hey,
0: hey, hey! Uh, look at me. Hey, uh, yeah, it's like this hey, whole like
1: uh, check, check me out. I'm not food. Hey, Uh hey, hey,
0: check me out. Check this out. Hey, I'm pretty cool, right? You like these moves? Hey, I just want to be clear. Like, I'm not food. Okay, like I just, uh I just want to get to know you. I'm just gonna, you know, get up in your area. I hope you really like me again. Please don't eat me, cause like you know, I just, I just want to say hi, right? Please don't eat me. For some reason, I kind of feel like they sound a little bit like Mark Wahlberg. Like, hey, hey there. You know, I I really don't want you to eat me. I'm realizing that I I don't actually sound like Mark Wahlberg right now. Maybe only a little bit, but really mostly not. But they're kind of approaching like Mark Wahlberg. They're like, hey, uh, please don't hurt me. But like, look at me though, okay?
2: I'm going to stop now. Please do. Um and she will often pivot and look at him, and if she is too aggressive, he will actually put up his arms in a specific posture where he puts them out, not to the side, but in front of his body, directly in front and up, and he backs up a little bit, and he starts dancing again and approaching. <laughs> <laughs> and this may happen multiple times during the approach phase. Um, as he gets closer, and she is, seems to be okay with it, He will go into the second half of the courtship, which is really cool because what he does is he, instead of moving around on all his legs, he stands on his, his second leg, pair of legs and his fourth pair of legs are stationary. He puts the first pair up kind of like making like a big U Mm -hmm. with the, um, his arms and like the top of his head. And then he like, he does these little like flicks of his fingertips. Just at least timed, like, both flicking at the same time. <laughs> and then he starts hiking up his third legs, which have these bright orange knees. And he hikes them up into view and then down. And then the other one up into view and then down. And then up into view and then down. And the female will be like, she will, like, track these and be like, oh, my God, what is that? What is that? And, like, watching them over and over and over. And at this point, they're face-to-face. They're both stationary. They're very close. And he will do this. I've seen them do it for like 30 minutes or so of just Mm -hmm. doing this over and over. Um, And then when he feels comfortable or he thinks that he can move to the next stage of courtship, he goes, he, he puts his both his knees up and above his head. So there's like this bright orange, almost like a a sphere because he puts them together and they each have like little black dots. So it's two orange uh, almost circles with little black dots in the middle. And then that are like held up above the male's head and then he sticks his front legs out on top of her um and not touching her body but like right above her head and then vibrates them in the air just like <sighs> <laughs> i'm trying to describe it in words because this is an audio media yeah. he very um like very stiffly kind of shakes them up and down um uh-huh. and it is fast enough that we tried to film it at 60 frames per second and it was blurry like very blurry he moves incredibly quickly um and he does this uh he he'll do this for like 10 seconds and stop and then do it again for 10 seconds and stop and then when he finally thinks okay i think this is going well he will try to mount the female um and mate with her which he literally climbs on top of her and then like if she allows him uh he like Takes her abdomen and like turns it over on the side because their genital opening is on their the bottom of their abdomen, mm-hmm. um, and then he will mate with her like that, and then run away. And Gosh. it can take up to an hour of courtship before the males will attempt to mate, and often the females will reject them either earlier or sometimes after an hour, which is always like a little disappointing. Gosh,
0: that's often I've been
2: watching for an hour.
0: Ooh, the suspense (laughs) of that. I can't imagine the I would send some wonderful videos. Back away. Approach. Back away. Vibrate (laughs) the hands. Like that's just gotta be Ooh. Oh gosh, I can't even imagine being a male spider and the the stress in that moment. Anyway, this whole thing kind of brings to mind this thing that We kind of wanted to talk about with birds, but we're waiting. Anyway, it's, it's this idea of like the beauty hypothesis, like why these traits in, in the grand scheme of evolution and natural selection and and the way that that works, like why, why be pretty? Why the dance? Why all of that stuff? What what is the selection process then? It, oh it, yeah, how is this evolving? So is this more of a uh, the males that by chance and random geneticness mm-hmm. and stuff has you know some slightly different pattern of coloration and is able yeah. to hold the attention just a yep. bit longer? Mm-hmm. Um, really, whatever behavior is allowing for attention is what's going to
2: yeah. So um, the female right? th- No, no. Th- Sorry, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, I, I really want to talk about this because it's it's one of those things where we see such a complicated display in the animal that has many parts, many stages, many colors, many behaviors. And I think because of that, there's a lot of things that are going into it. One of the things that to me is probably the most important is that um the males may be doing something that happens in many other animals where they are basically using um, stimuli, signals, colors, vibrations that the female has already for other reasons evolved um, an affinity for. So this okay. is something called sensory drive where an animal, let's use a human example. Um, humans are, uh, one of the few monkeys that can tell the difference between the color red and the color green. Mm -hmm. Um, and it only happened very recently in our evolutionary history. I think chimps have red green, but I'm not sure, but uh, I believe the other great apes do not. Um, and so this happened and we think that this adaptation came along because it was really useful for day to day life. If you can tell the difference between red and green, you can. One of the hypotheses is that you can spot fruits in the jungle that are ripening because sure. they're turning from green to yellows oh. and orange and red. You can spot uh, uh, camouflaged predators like leopards um, and tigers, which are orange. Um, but if you can't tell the difference between green and orangey colors, they will blend right into that green um, uh, plants around them. And so this is something that came along in our evolutionary history. And deep in um, the wiring of our brain, there is, I think, and there's good evidence for this, this relationship, red things are important in some way, pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the th- reasons that if you look around us in our society, we use the color red when we want to get people's attention and tell them important things. Stop yeah. signs are red. Um, when we like warning labels are red. And mm-hmm. if it's been shown in many, in several studies that humans, um, have a sexual attraction to things that are red, wearing red or even next to red. So if no, you show yeah. someone, um, photos of people of the gender that they are attracted to, if that mm-hmm. person is wearing red clothes, if they are standing in front of a red background or they're even framed by the color red, people will rate them as more attractive. Wow. huh? And so there is this bias that is built into our eyes and our brains that we might be taking advantage of when we wear, you know, a red tie or red lipstick mm-hmm. um, to denote that that's something that's interesting and appealing or important yeah. in some way. And I think that in a lot of animals, similar things are happening. There's good evidence for it in other types of animals. And I think the same thing is happening in these spiders. So this must must be why I spend so much time at Target. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Honestly, it's probably part of some marketing strategies to have the color red. There's color red and then eyes. Mm -hmm. And oh, oh, I just unplugged my microphone, I'm sorry. the color red and eyes are both things that, like, we have evolved to pay a lot of attention to, and mm-hmm. so we put those things in a lot of places—little logos yeah. and smiley faces and whatever. Your eyes go to that, and you're like, "Eyes, that is what I look at. I must look at it." And then you absorb the rest of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I was saying something about spiders. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, the the the, yeah. the, the whole idea uh, of. Um,
0: um, appealing to things that they're already attuned yeah. to focus on, and and so so is it in with the uh, the whole vibrations piece. Is that mm-hmm. you know because webs and
2: being yes. highly attuned to vibrations for mm-hmm. prey purposes that that yep. kind of has an interplay in the reproduction. Yes. So uh, most spiders are really sensitive to vibration because that, for many spiders, is the primary way that they interact with the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's I don't know enough about vibration. Uh, communication to know whether or not they're using the same vibrations that a, a prey animal would make. And I imagine that some of them are the same to get the attention and then some of them are, d- are different to say, hey, I'm not actually a prey item. But I think that that is also um, part of that evolution. And mm. for the color signals in our jumping spiders, we can actually see these spiders evolve the ability to see the difference between red and green. And then a little bit later down the evolutionary road, males are like, ah, I can use red and orange and yellows to be interesting. And you see Mm. this huge diversification of of species that each have their different ways of using color to appeal to the females. So in the Habronatus jumping spiders, um, they can tell the difference between red and green. um, And then the next two kind of genuses that are like next related to can, but those Mm -hmm. um, that, Kind of diverged from the paradise jumping spiders earlier. Don't really have the same extravagant courtship. So we we know that the color vision evolved first, and then the extravagant displays came afterwards. Okay. And so that evidence that that might be what's going on, at least part of the story in these spiders. There's a lot more because um, mm-hmm. th- it's not just a color. It's not, he's not just showing his red and being done in fact for part of the courtship he hides his red face um there is this idea that like one of the hypotheses for having a complicated display is that you want to keep being interesting and so Mm -hmm. first red is interesting right red i'm like oh cool look at this red thing um but after a while females Are are every every male is the same? They all have the same red thing, and so any other new adaptation, new part that you can add to that dance or to that display, yeah. Oh, now you're different. Now you're now you are interesting, but even more so. And so there's this kind of layering of complexity that might be happening Mm -hmm. um, that um, could explain part of like you know they kind of start at the same point, but then they just all all the species find different ways of, of of being um, more interesting and that kind of mm-hmm. like diverge in all these different paths. Um, so uh, is, so is any of the, is
0: any of the courtship behavior like learned or is this one of those weird innate, like how does a how does a spider <laughs> yeah. go? Oh, I'm going to vibrate my hands above her head. Like yeah. how, yeah, yeah, how yeah. does that
2: happen? As far as we know right now, it is an innate behavior. So you can raise a male, um in captivity um and he will do the full courtship dance wow. um to a female. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't learn from he that he can't learn. We don't know for sure, but males are courting many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Often they, they're almost always rejected. And mm-hmm. so they they have opportunities as adults to be like, okay, this isn't quite working. Maybe I need to pay more attention. When she turns that way, I gotta do something got to do this specific thing to get her attention. And if something else is going on, I need to respond in a certain way.
1: So yeah, there is a possibility
2: here and there. Yeah.
1: Pre-programmed dance.
2: Yes. Yeah. It is. Um, like if you ever watch a video, it's impressive because they don't, they, they see a female and they go, there's no, a, huh. like we've never seen those jumping spider practice. Like you sometimes hear some birds <laughs> practicing their song as they're yeah. growing up. They mm-hmm. just, they just do it. Gosh, that is fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. That right there in and of itself is fascinating. I, I'm always intrigued by the 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 unlearned or mm-hmm. non-learned behavior type yeah. of things that just kind of happen. Like how does that right. work? Why? Like it's just so gosh. Yeah. Super interesting.
2: Yeah, it's um and it's not that spy jumping spiders can't learn. In fact, we have a lot of evidence that they can learn plenty of other things Right, um, right. in other situations. we never tested them for learning mm-hmm. in terms of dance. Um mm-hmm. but they had they absolutely have the ability to learn as adults. And even oh, as shucks. younger spiders.
0: You to tell me we haven't given them a mini dance dance revolution pad and just I'm just kidding. Oh, no, no, no. Now I
2: really want to do that.
0: Um, My obsession now is to convince a researcher out there to develop a mini Dance Dance Revolution pad uh, for spiders, uh, where they could map out the dance, and then also like maybe like teach them a new dance. I don't know how that would work. Don't ask me.
2: Okay, so there is okay, there is virtual reality for jumping spiders.
0: Yes, like literally VR
2: for spiders really that exists there's a paper published on it on how to make a virtual reality machine for jumping spiders that does have um an analog control system i guess it's the digital control system um that lets the spider literally move in virtual reality um in it's kind of like it's almost like a human vr thing with like that big like walking treadmill wheel thing it's that it's a tiny one um, oh my and God! This is it is absurdly thing. cool, uh, <laughs> and people have done studies with it. And spiders will learn their virtual environments and remember landmarks just like they do in real life. So they they learn that mental map of where things are, and they're like, "Oh, next to this weird polygonal like pyramid is mm-hmm. where the reward you know my home is, or where the reward is." See, um, this
0: is why this kind of stuff. So that is why I love science because you come up you just say random stuff as a half joke and it turns out no somebody's actually done it somebody's actually somebody at some point said yeah you know what spider vr let's give it a shot let's give them a tiny little treadmill thing that's 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 amazing he wasn't kidding he's not lying at all i looked it up there was an npr article on it uh back in 2015 so like this is this is you know it's been out there for a bit um but yes they like legit developed a mini treadmill a tiny little like omnidirectional treadmill and created virtual reality worlds for spiders which is just crazy why i don't entirely understand why 100% there's some explanations in a variety of articles but honestly i i don't really care about the why my thing is is you know what research whatever the heck you want Because more research and more knowledge is just more research and more knowledge. And it's more things for us to know and more things to talk about and more understanding of the natural world. And I don't really care so much about the why the research is being done. I just care that research is being done. But that's just me. This is probably, on that note, a good time to transition into our last uh, stop on the spider tour of dating. The spider speed dating. But before we get to those orb weavers, I think it's time for a break. Wildlife is building a community on iNaturalist with a new, joinable project. Connect with a community of over 750,000 scientists and naturalists who can help you learn more about nature and help confirm identifications. By recording and sharing your observations, you help to create quality research data for scientists working to better understand and protect nature. iNaturalist is a joint initiative by the California Academy of Sciences and the National Geographic Society. For details on how to join our project and connect with other listeners, visit the slash inaturalist. Okay, okay, so up to this point we have covered tarantulas, we have covered jumping spiders, which is Sebastian's area of expertise. Now, the final group, or weavers. Well, not quite yet. You can meet our guest, however. My name is Shakira Quiñones. I'm a PhD student at the University of Ljubljana in Slovenia,
2: and I'm also a researcher at the biology institute Zeretse Zazu.
0: I'm currently at the final stages of my PhD, where I studied natural and sexual selection pressures related to small male size in
3: a sexually dimorphic spider from the Nephilide family.
0: Now, we want everybody to wish her luck today Actually, today, technically, partly, maybe yesterday, depending on when you listen to this, it's her pre-thesis defense. That's a big deal. I imagine that's a lot of stress. So everybody wish her luck. Her handle on Twitter is at Shaki Gwani. That's S-H-A-K-I-G-U-A-N-I. We had such a wonderful conversation with her. She had so much to say about Ore Weavers and so much that just kind of knocked our socks off. So um, we're really excited to be able to play a lot of that conversation for you. But guess what? Not today. No, 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 no. Her interview is going to mostly be the focus of the next part. You will hear a little bit more from Sebastian. Um, This will be on Tuesday. And that will wrap up Spiders. And then Friday next Friday, you will hear from Dr. Robert T. Mason of Oregon State University when we bring garter snakes into the picture. we talk about some other stuff too, but garter snakes are the focus. You're going to learn about pheromones and snakes on a plane and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be great. We're super excited. We hope you're super excited too.
1: And now,
2: It's time for Animal Sound of the Week.
0: Okay, this week's Animal Sound of the Week. It goes a little something like this. But I feel like I'm about to like introduce a new song off our new album that no one's heard yet at a secret pop-up concert. Anyway. Animal Sound of the Week. That, that that's that's like my best attempt. You got one, Richard? Quack, quack. <laughs> okay. As always, you can submit your guesses for Animal Sound of the Week on social media. You can just, you know, leave a flat-out comment on any of our posts, direct message us, email us at hey.thewildlife at gmail.com, or use our contact form right on our website, like literally right at the top. Not even hard to do. Get it right, and guess what? You get a prize. Pretty exciting. Woo! Woo! Um, as we're wrapping up the episode, uh, this is a good time to again thank the people who make our show possible our, our patrons Megan Gariani, Bridget Fitzgerald, Andrea Lloyd, Chris Trankel, Matt Capel. Um, if you think that those people sound super cool, well, first off, that's because they are. And you can be like them too. All you gotta do is go to patreon.com slash the wildlife. Become a member patron for as little as a dollar a month. We have four tiers, one dollar a month, five dollar a month, ten and twenty. And at each tier, the rewards, the community benefits, the the merch, the uh uh stuff that you get from us, you know, monthly, just special little bonus things, bonus content. Um That stuff increases with each tier. So the more that you contribute each month, the more that you get in return and the more that we love you and the more that you contribute to conservation, because all members are automatically a part of our wildlife ambassador program. It's our way of helping to spread the joy and compassion of our community by taking 10% of each member's monthly contributions and diverting them to a conservation or research program related to a wildlife of their choosing. For example, uh, Megan Gariani and Andrea Lloyd, 10% of their contributions goes towards the Sea Turtle Conservancy. Chris Trankel, Penguins International. Matt Capel, the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. You become a patron? You not only keep the show going, you help with conservation and research. And right now we have a very specific goal in terms of uh, fundraising and increasing um, um, membership contributions. And that is... uh, in order to greatly streamline our editing process and improve the quality overall, we are looking to purchase an additional recorder, the same kind that Richard and I both use that will become our traveling recorder so that when we have guests, we can send it out to them to use, to communicate with us and capture some really good quality and then send it back. But in order to do a that,
1: traveling recorder.
0: Yeah, it's a traveling recorder. It's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants, but it's a microphone instead And we're more of a brotherhood because we're like literally brothers. But anyway, you get my point. So um, we would send it around. And of course, that's cost up front to purchase the recorder, but it's also cost to be able to overnight recorders to places all around the country and the world and to be able to get them back so they don't just end up lost in New Zealand or wherever. Anyway, uh, also special thanks to uh, Shakira Kenyones and Sebastian Echavari, our guest for the episode. Um, you can follow Sebastian at Spider Day Night, like Saturday Night Live, but Spider Day Night on Twitter. Okay, and you can follow Shakira at Shaki Guani, that's S H A K I G U A N I, also on Twitter. And follow her amazing hashtag, hashtag Spiderborn, because it's incredibly interesting. Beautiful and also Sebastian's photos are just, they're they're pretty amazing, astonishing. Oh, and one last thing, and then I promise we'll go, <laughs> we'll leave you alone on this Valentine's Day. Um, you heard us kind of uh, tongue-in-cheekish joking about how great it would be to start a hashtag or something like friendly neighborhood spiders, man, or something like that. Um, well, guess what? We did so. Um, if you go on Twitter, the account is, um, at spidersfriendly. that's spidersfriendly. friendly or on Instagram, it's friendly man. And, uh, there we will be sharing not only our own pictures of spiders that we get, um, but your pictures. So you can tag us or use the designated hashtag on either account. And we will share your pictures uh, with the ultimate goal of really just helping to showcase the diversity in uh, species and appearance and distribution of spiders around the country and around the world. And uh, we're also creating an upcoming uh, separate iNaturalist project from our main one where we will feature those sightings and, and observations there. Um, so really just trying, trying to get out that Spiders are a lot more than meets the eye or eight eyes. So it. check it out. And again, this is just part one. So next week, be on lookout for part two. Happy Valentine's day.
1: Good. Good luck. This uh, 2020 Valentine's day.
0: And you know what? Eat a whole box of chocolates. If you want Yeah. life cares? is like a box of chocolates. It? it means it just eat the whole thing. Eat it. No one cares. Go get your crush.
1: Self love, okay? Eat an entire box each. Get fat. Get together. some of that flaming
0: hot popcorn. I don't know if you've had that yet, but it's fire. Gosh, try it. We're not paid by Cheetos. Bye bye.